Hey, John. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm good. What's the name of that hat? It's sort of made out of... It's like it's like a knitted hat that I believe you would originally have associated with, with like Jamaican or Rastafarian cultures. Yeah. That, and it's like knitted. Yeah, it's like a tam. Yeah. There was a guy just now in the bathroom before I went to... Uh, to uh to to come in uh and, and and start the show with you yeah yeah and he was wearing this hat and he was in the bathroom and he was no this is a public restroom it's not clean and there's nothing good about it uh-huh. and he was brushing his teeth in there but he was brushing his teeth like like real intense like staring hardcore at himself in the mirror and like brushing kind of, then he'd kind of stop and he'd just stare and then he'd brush again a little bit and then stop and stare. But I wanted to, uh, I just wanted to go over this with you and see if you had any answers. If you, there's anything I need to do, do I need to take this up with someone? I didn't realize that you, uh, that your studio was in a, um, in a uh, public building. Do you think I like owned, owned a building? I love that. Tell me I more. always imagined that you had like one of those pirate radio stations that was in a small <laughs> it's in a one bunker. story, yeah. or no, like uh, like one of those small one story garages that you see out on out in Texas that uh, is you know broadcasting broadcasting with a big tower and a and a some kind of gas powered generator. I would no, I would absolutely love that, and I love that that's how you imagine it. I'm in a very very boring corporate facility where there's even the FBI has an office in this building. Um, We are right in the building next door to the corporate office building that was, that the plane crashed into a number of years ago. Uh Uh, There was an IRS office and apparently a guy was angry at the IRS and Uh flew his, yeah, he flew his Cessna into the, or attempted to fly it into the, uh, this is back when flying planes into buildings was, I guess like the, the way to get your anger out or whatever. Mm. Uh, he flew it into the building and crashed it into the building. I think he was the only person who died, but they had to completely rebuild the entire building. Um, and it's done now and it looks great, but I'm next to that. I'm in the most huh. corporate office you could possibly imagine. And, and to make it even worse, I am one office of maybe two dozen or at least a dozen offices uh on this floor most of the people in here are accountants and pencil pushers and real estate people it's it's the least cool structure in austin and i'm i'm right square in the middle of it uh and so uh when you and hattie are out walking in the common areas uh, you guys are like the the biggest hippies in the place Oh yeah, by by far. Except, except for right? this new guy today. But yes, um, we're the we're the least square of everyone in here. All right. Uh, I, th- this is all great. This is all great for me. Picturing like what's going on there. Like I would never. I would never invite you to here. I would never yeah. invite you. I, my sense is that if someone's brushing their teeth in your restroom mm-hmm. and you see it one time, uh, that they are passing through. And so nothing really to get your. You don't think he worked because he's up on the he's up on one of the higher floors here. We're on the the higher floors. This is not like the the first floor where the riffraff go. But he might have been there to meet with somebody about (laughs) something. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's really weird because the only tenants on this floor, there's the FBI office. There's the office for the um, they do something with like diabetes or something. Yeah. And then either, uh, either one, it's possible that healthcare, some healthcare and but they don't have visitors. They're like, like just women in there, like planning, like marketing efforts. And then there's, mm-hmm. there's my floor, my area where there's just total squares in here. This guy's way too cool to be doing anything in here. But why well, would he come brush his teeth in there? He was in there. You know? Listen, listen, I walked in there. I took my time. I walked in there, used the facility Wash my hands up. You know, you go check your look in the mirror, make sure you look good to do a podcast. Through this whole time, he still just still just sort of 
just brushing, brushing, brushing. Uh-huh. But I mean, and it's someone- a public, it's a public, like there's fecal matter in the air and fecal chloroforms or whatever they are is floating around mm-hmm. in there. Well, sure, but you are describing right now, and you're discussed about it, a kind of a, a, a obsessive, uh, compulsive behavior that maybe he also has. It's just his involves long teeth brushings. <laughs> yeah. Whereas yours involves imagining that poop is floating in the air. I'm not imagining that. You guys could be. You guys could start a whole, like a whole, a new podcast. Well, yeah, collaboration. <laughs> We're like that. It's called that's disgusting, but I have to do it. <laughs> right, right. What's a, is it called? Aversion therapy or something? And each of us just deals with the other one's hangups or something. I mean, he might. Yeah, he might have. That may be his way of controlling an anxiety attack. Yeah. Stare at yourself and brush your teeth until it goes. Yeah. There are an awful lot of people in the naked city who are just trying to get by. Yeah. <laughs> And as long as, I mean, there was a, there at the old public library in Seattle, there was a, a rat's warren of subterranean bathrooms that really were <laughs> a rat's, a rat's warren <laughs> of subterranean bathrooms. Yeah. And it was the only place. It was the only way station in the city at, at, at for a long time where you could go and just get out of the rain and brush your teeth. So a lot of people were using those bathrooms as a kind of, I mean, that, that was, um, I mean, all public libraries, uh, in the old school were just spaceports and even the new public libraries, if they're in, if they're in downtown areas, they're, they're just spaceports. None of those people are from earth, um, that are, that are passing through libraries. They're just, you know, they just land, they need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. But if you've got an FBI office, who knows, Dan, maybe he was an undercover FBI agent. You know, that's something I hadn't considered. Uh-huh. He's getting in character. Yeah. He's like, I got to go do this major drug bust and I have to get my intense weirdness on. Yeah. I'm going to go stare at myself in the mirror and yeah. brush could my be. teeth until, until I get all crazy looking and yeah. you'll be fine. I think everybody there is going to be fine. No. Tomorrow, tomorrow it'll be a, it's a brand new day and yeah. nobody will be in that bathroom. Uh-huh. All the, the fecal matter will settle back down to all the crevices. <laughs> I don't crevices. know if it does. I don't know if it does. I mean, it has to settle. It's in the air. Yeah, but it, but it has weight. It has mass. It's going to settle eventually, mm-hmm. if, especially if there's not a fan in there or a crosswind or something. Every time you open the door, of course, it's going to stir fecal matter up, floating around. Flying into your nose. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. Well, that's why you need to start being somebody like in a czar's epidemic, a czar's epidemic, where you you wear a mask all the time, like a little Chinese lady. <laughs> How come you're not <laughs> so, doing that so, already? I don't know. What's wrong with me? Yeah, get get one of those paint sprayers masks and yeah. just wear it all the time. No, I need I need to. And goggles because you don't want the you don't want microscopic poop to get in your eyes. I told you about the guy I saw at the airport, right? I'm not sure. This was during like the height of flu season about a, not quite a year ago. And I forget where I was even going, but, uh, you know, people are a little, so you, you see, I think more people in the airport wearing the, um, masks, the Chinese, as you say, the Chinese lady masks. Right, it's a, a known vector for disease, the airports. That's where the, that's where the big, um, epidemics break the, out. Yeah. That's where the bird flus pandemics. So, uh, you know, I, I respect that. I like the, I like the idea of wearing a, you know, a breathing mask or something in, in the air. But there was a guy there who had seemed like he, he had a little bit more concern than I did. He was wearing, and this is the part that I loved, is that he, the, the costume that he had put on, he was wearing, and he was doing this with, in, in all seriousness, this was something he felt he needed to do. He was wearing dish gloves the yellow the bright yellow gloves that like your mom would use to wash the dishes mm-hmm. um that he was wearing i think he was wearing two pairs and then over his face instead of wearing one of the like the the, the masks that you wear that prevent f- the flu and contagion and stuff like that he mm-hmm. was wearing one that was like what you would wear for woodworking 
like a con- on a construction site where you're breathing dust or something. Mm-hmm. And this was his, this is how he traveled. This is what he wore through the whole airport. And I was kind of jealous. <laughs> well, you're, you, you have, I mean, I couldn't, so many I, years ahead. Of uh, you, Dan. He was young He's, too. He would, he couldn't have been t- 25. Well, um, I feel like, uh, Maybe Boba Fett uh-huh. yes. uh, is wearing that helmet because he's um, like hypersensitive to allergens. Sure. Right. Like maybe a Boba Fett helmet is actually an isolation, like an internal, it's got filters, it's got, it's got a nice mix of oxygen and nitrous oxide. Mm-hmm. And it, um, you know, it's got goggles to keep the poop out of your eyes. Mm-hmm. It protects your ears. You know, it's it's an an integrated system, but it's not just to, it's not just a, like a war helmet because he wears it all the time. I bet I bet it's because he doesn't like airborne uh, like fart smells and stuff. And uh, that's something probably. you you should start. I think your kids would think it was amazing if you started wearing like a around the house. Yeah, just all the time. Just wear like a like a. I mean, you wouldn't want to wear a Boba Fett helmet because people would say you're you. They'd say hi, Boba Fett. Yeah. everywhere you went. No, that'd be stupid. But, um, you could come up with a Dan Benjamin. I mean, I think you'd need a cool. You'd need a cool war name. Yeah. Um, where you're not just like Dan Benjamin, except now he wears a helmet. You mm. have to be something like Benjafet or Dan. <laughs> yeah, Boba Dan. Boba Dan. Um. But you know it's very popular with with DJs to wear. Oh, like the like the Dead Mouse. Yeah, that's right. Like, who knows what's going on inside of Dead Mouse's helmet? It could be, or like Daft Punk. The Daft Punk helmets are probably completely integrated, uh, like uh, environment helmets. They're not just breathing their own exhaust. They're not those those helmets can't those screens can't be fogging up. They've no, got to have a whole wouldn't want that. respirators. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you should, I feel like you should, you should budget 50 grand. To, <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, to like design and build your own cool DJ helmet. Yeah. And then you're going to have to probably contract uh, with somebody to do a whole branding of like, you're not sure. Dan no, Benjamin can... anymore. You're. Your your dab edge, oh that's you know dab edge. <laughs> I mean I'm not a professional brander, but if if you showed up one day in a helmet and were just like I am dab edge, Ryan, I would accept that. Yeah, I think Hattie would accept it. Yeah, I think your kids would be into it. I'm not sure about your wife. I'm not sure about the other people in the building. The FBI guys would be like, Have you seen the guy in the bathroom recently? He's in there. Uh, who knows what he's doing inside that helmet? He's just staring into the mirror at himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, inside true. you can hear this like pressure, 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 but nobody can see cause it's automated. You've yeah. got a little toothbrush that just, I don't know. Some food for thought. Yeah. This isn't I'm, thinking, something no, I'm gonna, thinking about it. It's not something that would work for me necessarily. I'm not, I'm going to be a late adopter of like urban helmets. I feel like the, they're going to be they're going to have to be a lot of people wearing them and like singing their praises. We would like to say thank you very much to Amazon Prime Video Channels. I'm not just talking about Amazon Prime, which you know is the way to get things shipped to you really really fast with Amazon. I'm not just talking about Amazon Prime Video, which is where you can go to watch tons of really awesome shows. I really love Amazon Prime and Prime Video. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about Amazon Prime Video Channels. What the heck is that? I will tell you. You can create your own custom TV lineup from 100 plus premium and specialty channels. These are legit channels. These are not made up channels. These are real channels. Showtime, Stars, HBO, CBS All Access. That's where they've got the uh, the new Star Trek. Uh, PBS Kids. PBS Masterpiece, BritBox, which is Merlin's uh, a favorite. But, I mean, you can go and you can get everything you want right there through Amazon Prime Video 
All these channels are there. You only pay for the channels you want. You don't need cable. You can cancel any time. You don't have to download any apps you don't already have. Most of the smart TVs out there already have Amazon Prime Video built in. They've got it for over 650 connected devices. Could be your TV. Could be your Fire TV. Roku. Apple TV. Uh, Samsung. Their TVs have it. Vizio. Sony. LG. Panasonic. Of course, you can watch it on your Fire tablet, your iPhone, your iPad, your Android phone. Tablets everywhere. Or you can do what I do. When, I'm, when I go out, a lot of the time I'll eat lunch at my desk because I got so much to do. But... I like to, do, you know, I like to do something different than just staring at a, at a, at a, at a screen writing code. I'll stare at a screen. I'll watch these things because you can go right to Amazon.com and watch your favorite channels right there. It's awesome. Uh, there's that new Jim Carrey show on Showtime. Highly recommended. This is the best way to watch it. So here's the deal. Here is the deal. Go to tryprimechannels.com slash roadwork. That's a special URL. It's, it gives you a free trial. You can try over 100 channels. So go again. It's tryprimechannels.com slash roadwork. That's the place to go. Special URL that supports us, which we truly appreciate. It just it takes you to amazon.com. It's not like it's taking you to some bizarre or weird site. It just takes you to Amazon. That's the easy URL that takes you right to the section that we're talking about. Tryprimechannels.com slash roadwork. And go check out what's there. You can watch the, you know, they got Spider-Man Homecoming just came out on stars. My kid, my little girl loves this Daniel Tiger show. It's all there. It's all there. So go check it out and, uh, and let Amazon know that you guys are listening and support the show. Tryprimechannels.com slash roadwork. I mean, here's the thing. If you are going to avatar yourself. Yeah. The big challenge of avataring yourself, if we're going to an augmented reality situation. Okay. The big problem is how do you put on a pair of glasses or some kind of apparatus yeah. that actually films you from a distance enough that people can see your facial expressions? You know, like this is the avatar problem. Mm-hmm. You can wear Snapchat goggles and get a view of what you're seeing with your eyes. Right. But, you know, people are going to want to, if they're interacting with you in a virtual scenario, they're going to want to see what you're doing. Yes. And here's what I don't want. Every single person in the world with their own micro drone. Yeah. Uh, that's programmed to just stay five feet in front of them and film their face. That's going to suck. Yeah, that would be really, really annoying really quick. Super shitty. But if we were all wearing like fully face enclosed DJ helmets where the helmet had a, dozens of sensors inside that recorded what your face was doing. Mm-hmm. It's no longer going to matter what our actual faces in are in the real world are doing because we're just going to be broadcasting to our avatar sensors. So I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you <laughs> coming down the hall yeah. at, your, at the FBI building. Yeah, but I'm gonna be seeing you as a completely realized, like blue leopard or however it is you want to oh, be. Oh right, no, I get perceived it. Perceived by me, yes. But I'm gonna have the benefit of being able to see what you're all the you know the nuances of what your face is expressing yeah it's just in the form of a blue leopard as i see you on the heads up display in my dj okay i get it so i feel like that's probably where we're going and i'm going to be one of the last i'm going to be somebody out there walking around still wearing a tweed jacket and a tie thinking that symbolizes anything to anybody everybody else in all the cool kids at least are going to be wearing DJ helmets and I'm not going to be able to see them as they want to be seen. And I'll eventually be like, all right, okay, all right, fine. I'll put on the goggles at least. Right. And then they're going to see me as just some basic avatar of myself, some emoji (laughs) because I won't have, I won't be all the way up into the new technology. So would they like, see ah. you as you or would they see you as like a, like a default, like the Twitter egg, like no, like no, nothing assigned to you. No, I mean, I, I think by this, by this point, we're all going to be able to have, have personalized emojis that look like us, but, okay. the, but we're not going to be able to, and probably I'll be able to say like form of blue leopard. Uh-huh. The wonder twin powers. Be, yeah, but it won't be fully integrated with my facial expressions. So to other people, I will look robotic. There will be uncanny valley. Whereas 
with uh, with you in your in your DJ helmet, the uncanny valley factor will be gone because it'll actually be your face, your real right, face, right, 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 with all of its little quirks. Sure. Not that your face is quirky, but no, I know what you meant. Yeah. So that's probably. I mean, get to work on those helmets now, everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think there. I think sure there'll be boutique ones. You'll be able to get like a Hermes one, but you'll also uh, the early ones will all be handcrafted. I mean, this will be a thing that you start to see. It'll be like a cottage industry. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to the cons, right? The Dragon Con. Yeah. Have you ever been to Dragon Con? No, I've never. I want to go to that. That was always a con too far for me. I went (laughs) to the, I went to a, I went to a handful of cons, but Dragon Con's down there in Atlanta. It just seems like a long way to go to walk around. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I've never been more than nerd adjacent. The nerds do not, they accept me, mm-hmm. I find. Mm-hmm. But if I don't come to the show, it's not a, it's not a deal breaker for them. They, it's not, a, nothing is ruined. Um, I'm welcome at the show, I guess is the way I would put it. But Dragon I, Con, like. I yeah. think, I, I think you see yourself as nerd adjacent, but I think there are many people listening and including myself who would disagree and say that you're, you're a member you're not adjacent that you're actually central, even if you don't know it or even if you don't want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like if, you, if you're wearing Spock ears and the, the blue Star Trek uh, shirt and, you know, and you're walking around a con, like people probably know you're squarely in that community. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you have the right mindset and the right list of uh, credentials that and enough experiences that I would say you can step out of it easily and maybe you have another life outside of it, but you're, you're squarely in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's it's not a, it's not neither good nor bad. It's one of those things. Like when I look back at my high school years, I say, I think, or I will say I was a nerd in high school. But then I'll hear from other people who went to high school with me who say, well, you weren't a nerd in high school. You were a popular person who mm-hmm. was who didn't have any trouble integrating into different groups. And I will say, well, sure. But I mean, I was primarily a nerd. You know, it's one of those. It's a it's a self-perception issue. Mm-hmm. I always was a nerd until nerd culture became its own universe. Yeah. And then I felt like that I was. When I was in high school, the people who were part of nerd universe, Star Trek people or people who made their own swords or people who read lots of books about elves, um, those people certainly were part of my larger orbit. But again, I, I didn't – I mean I will sit and talk to you about the fact that you are trying to forge your own broadsword. <laughs> right. And that you feel like that's going to be a useful tool. It's not just that you're doing it as an academic exercise. It's that you're doing it in order that you have this broadsword for some eventuality. I'll sit and talk to you about it. Not only all day, but multiple days in a row because you sit next to me in biology. But I'm not going to follow you down that rabbit hole so that I'm like over at your house in your garage with your homemade forge trying to build my own broadsword. You get the picture. I totally do. Also, I don't like Dune. I don't think that's a requirement for anyone. Which well, Dune, what, know, wait, which Dune don't you like? Do you not like the, none of them? I don't like any of them. But do you, are you aware of all of them? No. Okay. I then you care. can't say that you don't, well, you can't say you don't like it unless you've, unless you've experienced it. That's true. That's true. So you I might not like, like the Dune that Sting was in from the 1980s or whatever, I, I but you, you might like you might not like the TV movie that they made out of it, but that I'm you might sure. like the book. Well, in 1980, it seemed to me, and I'm sure this is incorrect, but I know there will be there will be people that relate to what I'm about to say, including possibly you. But it seemed to me that you had to be Lord of the Rings or Dune. 
It was not. Okay, there that's were, very interesting to me. I've never, I've never heard that before. Yeah, it did not seem to me that there were people who, I mean, I, tons of people read Lord of the Rings and Dune. Yeah. But you, you could not be you Lord like of both. the Rings and Dune. You, you had to pick one that became your primary fantasy aperture. That's fascinating to me. I can, I can see that. I don't, I don't know that I experienced that in the real world. Because I liked I liked Dune and, well, I shouldn't say Lord of the Rings because I didn't read those until much, much later. Mm-hmm. I read The mm-hmm. Hobbit when I was like 10. But I loved the Dune movie, the original. Right. You're, you're a Dune person. I guess see? I was a Dune person. And that's not uncommon. I mean, I know a lot of people that were Dune people. But I made the decision, having read The Lord of the Rings all the way through and enjoyed it and recognizing what I perceive to be a, uh, a clear schism between the two worlds. Mm. I said, well, I don't need to read Dune because I have already chosen a side in this, <laughs> in these matters. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, wasn't and, it you, John, who said that, that the, uh, Pink Floyd versus Led Zeppelin thing is a myth. Oh, I think that is a myth. Yeah. See, I, I disagree with you. I, the more, ever since we talked about it, the more people I've asked about it, the more it proves true. The more I, I maintain that you can't, you can't truly like both. If you think you like both, then really you don't like either very much. Oh, that's an interesting way of putting it. I've, I would see more that there was like a Pink Floyd rush schism. Like if you're really into rush. Yeah. I think I don't that, think so. I think being really into I think if you're Rush, really into Rush, you don't like anybody else. Well, yeah, right. That being might be. really into Rush <laughs> like you're definitely you accept all metal. Yeah. I don't I don't think being into Rush means that you don't accept metal or or heavy hard rock. It's just that you know, Led Zeppelin you are going down well, Led Zeppelin is having picked Lord of the Rings. And Rush, I think, is having picked Dune. That could be, but I was never really a Rush fan. The thing about Pink Floyd is that they are not trading in like a certain sort of somewhat limited cosmology, right? There there are no real elves in Pink Floyd, nor are there killer robots that are, you know, that are sucking our life force. Dune does not have robots. Or whatever. I mean, that's one of the things about Dune is they outlawed any kind of artificial intelligence because they had an AI rebellion at some point in their history. And that's why there's no robots in Dune. No, no computers either. They have instead of computers, they have men, mentats Mm. who are humans that have since birth trained themselves to basically be like human computers. But there's no computers in Dune, Mm -hmm. even though they got stuff that floats around and little, you know, hunter seekers yeah, there are no computers in Dune because there were computers in Dune and they eliminated computers. So there are computers in the Dune universe. There were, yes. There are no computers in the Lord of the Rings, not because they eliminated AIs after they had a rebellion. They couldn't figure out how to make them. That's why they have not made them right. And there are definitely computers in Rush, but there are also outlawed computers in Rush. That is, there's nothing that sounds more Rush to me than we had to outlaw computers after the AI rebellion. I can, I can see it. See, you know uh, a lot more about Rush than I, than I do. I don't, I don't dispute that. There was a conversation we had once, I should try and find it, on this very program, where you, you talked about Rush and, at, at great length. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from that episode. But I would say that I was more Zeppelin than Rush. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And ultimately, I think I would say that I was, ooh, boy, if, if you said, are you more Pink Floyd or more Zeppelin? Yeah, well, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> Next, we would like to thank Simple Contacts. This is a convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription. Reorder your brand of contacts, your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. This is vision care simplified. Here's the thing. You're in one of two situations. If you wear contacts, you're in one of two situations. Either you've got an up-to-date prescription 
and you just want to save money and get the contact lenses that you want, the brand that you prefer, or you need some new contacts and your prescription is expired and you're like, what am I going to do? They've got you covered in both cases. And this is what's really cool and really different about Simple Contacts. They have a five-minute vision test. You can do it on your phone or your computer. You do the vision test. It gets reviewed by a licensed doctor. Then you receive a renewed one-year prescription, and you can reorder your contacts just like that. That's if you, uh, if you need to renew your prescription. If you don't, no big deal. You just upload a photo of the prescription or your doctor's info and order your lenses, and they take care of everything else. How convenient is that? How awesome is that? It almost makes me wish that I wore, well, it does make me kind of wish I wore contact lenses. Because it makes it so easy to do it. You can do this from anywhere in minutes. You don't have to go to the doctor's office. You don't have to wait in a waiting room. It's fast. Like I said, the test, it's self-guided. It takes less than five minutes. Think about how much time you're going to save. And then you got all the brands of contact lenses that you're familiar with. You got your astigmatism stuff. You got multifocal lenses, colored contacts, you name it. They have it. 100% customer satisfaction. You can get text updates on your order. You can ask questions. Uh, I mean, anytime I'm over text, how cool is that? It's modern. The vision test costs only 20 bucks. Compare that to the cost of your annual appointment with, uh, without insurance could cost you over 200 bucks. And there's a lot of people that don't have insurance for eye care. Now you can afford this. Now here's the thing. I've got to tell you this. This is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. In other words, it's not a doctor pressing on your eyeball making sure it's healthy. This is just the prescription part. You should still do that. You should still have a doctor press on your eyes once in a while. I don't know why, but you should. But if you go here, you're going to get $30 off your contacts. That's right. If you use our special uh, URL, it's simplecontacts.com slash roadwork. Simplecontacts.com slash roadwork. Or if that's too much trouble for you, just enter the code roadwork at checkout. And you'll get $30 off. And we really appreciate the support of Simple Contacts. See, I can't, I can totally see you listening to Led Zeppelin. I can see you covering a Led Zeppelin song and doing it better than Robert Plant. Um, but I can't imagine. I, I can't, I, can't ima- I know. I can't imagine you covering a Pink Floyd song. Where is that? In it? Where is that cover that you did of Zeppelin? Where is that floating around? It's out there somewhere. You know, my apparently my mother and sister didn't know that I had covered Led Zeppelin, and really? my mom is an enormous Led Zeppelin fan. And Susan found it one day and sent it to my mom. And you know, and I there was an angry pounding on my front door. How dare you not have told me that you covered In the Light? And I was like, I don't know. I have some somewhere along the line. Somebody asked me for it for a Zeppelin tribute record, and Eric Corson and I worked on it and made this thing. And she was furious because she listens to it now. She listens to our In the Light cover. Here's the thing: David Gilmore, uh, Chuck Bryant wrote me a couple of days ago and was like, "Who are your top five guitar players?" And the number one position was held by David Gilmore. Ah. Uh. Because I believe that he is the great guitar player. Yeah. But. um, He knew just what to do in a song. He he knew just what it took to make the song great. He never overplayed. You know what I'm saying? He he just, he he was the, a sound craftsman. And tonally just, yeah. Uh, emotion. The thing is, David Gilmore, uh, as far as I can tell, in public has never shown a human emotion. But, <laughs> but in his guitar playing, it is the entire the entire world of emotion is in his guitar playing. Yes, and that is not true of Jimmy uh, Page's guitar playing. Jimmy Page's guitar does not communicate the entirety of of human experience. Human right? It doesn't. No. Um and. Robert Plant versus Roger Waters. Mm-hmm. I think Roger Waters is more versatile and more interesting. Yeah. However, the darkness in Pink Floyd always feels like complaining. Roger Waters is complaining and sneering at the things that are 
going wrong. Roger Waters is a is somebody who is espousing a kind of almost punk rock disdain for modernity and the way things are going. Yeah. He's not offering a world. He's critiquing our world. Robert Plant is not complaining (laughs) at all. Robert Plant has no complaints. Robert Plant is just observing through some stoner goggles a world he would like to see, which is a world full of, you know, like evil fairies. Mm-hmm. Not just fairies, <laughs> but like dark fairies. Yeah. Fairies who fairies that like to fuck. Uh-huh. That's Plant's universe. Yeah. And and depending on like how high I was or where I wanted to be. Even though Pink Floyd's music is more interesting, the sounds are more, I mean, you know, Pink Floyd's over there running an electric toothbrush over an organ, trying to get the right sound of feeling like the, you know, feeling like the British Empire is collapsing. Over in Led Zeppelin town, they're not putting electric toothbrushes on anything. They're just turning their guitars up and going. And, you know, you've got John Paul Jones who's like, what if I played this instrument? And the other guys are like, fine, (laughs) fine, whatever, go for it. Theremin, whatever you want to do, smarty, smart guy. You're not even one of the gang, really, because your hair, because your hair is weird. It's so bad. I just wish it, I just wish John Paul Jones had better hair. He would have been like so much more. He had my hair. John Paul Jones had my hair. And that was the thing that always scared me about rock and roll was you could see the guys that had hair like me. Um, are the not the they're not the center, right? Jim Morrison hair, Robert Plant hair, Jimmy Page hair. They're big curly. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Page hair. had great hair, amazing hair. All those guys had great hair. But then you've got the helmet hair of John Paul Jones. Yeah, he had um, a sort of like a very very British schoolgirl grown out hair. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it was. It was just like, uh, it had no, I mean, it was, I'm sure it was sh- very shiny hair. Conditioned. It's like, it's like Ray Manzarek hair. I mean, of all the guys that had that hair, I think Ray Manzarek probably pulled it off the best because he had sideburns. Um, it's like love and spoonful hair. Uh, and I, I was, I was super, I was super dismayed to, to find that I had this hair. Um, and just wasn't going to, I was never going to be Jimmy Page. You know, uh, all the guys in Pink Floyd, or at least Roger Waters and David Gilmore, both have closer to my hair than Jimmy Page hair, but they just, they they decided, they went the Getty Lee route, which is like long, parted in the middle, greasy. Mm. Which is a, a look, I could go, I could, I could do that. I could rock that. But I'm just, I was never serious enough. I mean, I'm super serious, but I could never, I, I can't, I can't, I couldn't talk about the decline and fall of Britain in my music with any kind of seriousness, <laughs> nor could I talk about sexy elves at all. <laughs> could not. Yeah. I was very much limited by what I was capable of talking about in music. And you know, Sabbath like Ozzy's universe is really scattershot what Ozzy's wor- worried about because Ozzy's worried about uh, sexy elves also worried about killer robots also worried about the decline of UK and the nuclear family mm-hmm. nuclear nuclear family uh-huh. like Ozzy's worried about all that stuff but one also does not, just as David Gilmore has never expressed a human emotion, <laughs> Ozzy doesn't really seem that worried about those things. <laughs> I feel like maybe Geezer Butler is worried about those things <laughs> and writing them down in a notebook. And then Ozzy's like, yeah, right. But he, Ozzy's not. <laughs> are, you, are you saying that then Geezer was the one behind the, the creative force behind Sabbath? Well, no, I mean, Tony Iommi is the one who's communicating the, the true darkness there. And he, for, for, you know, like for 
the lack of his fingertips, there is a tremendous amount of the human experience in Tony Iommi's guitar. He's, and again, a man who has never expressed an emotion other than like consternation mm-hmm. or like dark. Yeah. Consternation. I no, guess that's a good word. Look I would put on his face, but he's making very serious sounds that, that have a lot of, that have a lot of meaning. And I don't, I'm not denigrating Jimmy page. It's just Jimmy pages sounds are all, what am I, what, what would I say? Jimmy pages sounds are all communicating about a black snake that lives in Mississippi <laughs> But Jimmy Page doesn't have firsthand knowledge of a black snake that lives in Mississippi. <laughs> right. It's the it's the London version of that. Yeah. So he's telling a story with his guitar that is his interpretation of a thing that isn't really his. He does a a better, in some ways, interpretation of it. He's talking he, about how, how he sort of co-opted the blues sound without really understanding blues. Mm-mm-mm. No, I think he understood it. I think that like, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not somebody that advances a theory of co-optation being okay. good or bad. Mm. I think that the co-optations that are visible to you because it's happening in real time and you're looking and seeing somebody is taking something that you feel belongs to you. Like I wear a red hat and now suddenly that guy's wearing a red hat. Uh, those things right now in our contemporary culture get people up in arms. How dare white people serve tacos? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Stupid. But co- co-optation is the way human culture is disseminated. It's the way human culture was designed and built. Like there's no thing that any of us are doing, saying, or thinking that isn't co-opted from somebody before us. Like so I don't, I'm, not, I'm not like, whoa, Jimmy Page stole the blues from Mississippi, but it is, it does have a little bit of that thing where if you're going to put linoleum in your house, (laughs) yeah, have it look like linoleum and not like wood or stone. If you go look at linoleum at the linoleum dealer, 95% of it now is meant to look like wood or stone, right? And when I walk into a house that has wood linoleum or stone linoleum, and by linoleum, I mean any kind of manufactured flooring, I, uh, I am not convinced. I don't like it. It is false. Whereas linoleum, which was a thing that was invented at some point and originally looked like green speckle, orange speckle, mm-hmm. like linoleum was initially not trying to be anything other than a new kind of floor that had speckles. That seemed durable. It was a durable speckle based floor concept. That looks great to me. I think linoleum floors should take advantage of their opportunity. If you can make it look like wood, (laughs) Uh then you could make it look like a starry night or you could make it look like the floor was covered with roses or cockroaches or whatever you wanted. Why would you want it to look like wood if you want a wood floor? Well, I can, I can tell you why. Yeah. Because you get all the advantages of something that is a textile, a fabricated textile, such as resistant to wear, resistant to damage, easy to clean. Right. Uh, and much, much less expensive, much more affordable to install and maintain. Right. Even possible to install yourself. I understand. And you get that, and again, it's much cheaper than than real wood. Who would want real wood when you have this stuff that can be even even made from recycled materials? You're helping the environment. The trees are living, and they're they're thanking you. Well, yeah, but the question isn't why would you use manufactured floor? I believe you should use manufactured floor, but why would you make it look like wood? Well, because what you really want is wood. Yeah, and because we'll it can look, really it can look it. exactly like wood. It cannot. It does. Look exact, it looks exactly no, like wood. It does not. It Just looks like, like it. Plastic tiles that are printed to look like. No, wood. no. The, there's good stuff now. That looks really, really it, good. It looks really it like wood. Looks like fake wood. And what you are advancing, Dan, is a theory of the white blues. That's what I'm doing. The white blues are the wood linoleum of music. 
it looks like wood. It's easier to clean. Uh-huh. It doesn't require that you that you go into a roadhouse anywhere. It doesn't require that you interact with a terrifying material like either actual wood or black culture. You just get the like <laughs> you get the 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 look and feel of wood, but it's really easy to keep clean. And I feel like there are this is what this is a, a theory I am constantly advancing, which is that if you want a thing like wood floors or life experience or the ability to juggle or the or a a, a past history of sexual prowess, then all of those things come with like massive disadvantages. Right, you have to take the good with the bad. You cannot learn to juggle without also uh, at, at having spent many, many years at ren fairs. You <laughs> cannot have sexual prowess without a lot of sadness and destruction in your wake. You cannot have um, wood floors without all the disadvantages and expense of wood floors. And all these shortcuts are, to me best exemplified by people that think that they can reach a higher level of, of, um, nerve, you know, closer to Nirvana or a higher level of, of, uh, consciousness through either drug use or some other Western co-optation of, you know, Buddhism, like mm-hmm. pseudo Buddhism. People are like, Oh, I'm just like, I'm at this level. And it's like, you're not, if you're even talking that way, you're not at that level. You cannot be high. You can be super stoned. You can be on LSD and get a glimpse of a higher plane, but you cannot stay there. You cannot get a toehold there. It will not last. And it's this, it's the same with the white blues and, and texture and man-made flooring. You cannot, I mean, and plenty of people do. Don't get me wrong. There are people listening to this show right now who are looking down between their feet at their manufactured flooring that looks like wood or stone, and they're thinking, what's his beef? Looks fine. It's cool. But I refute it. Wouldn't you rather it look like – I mean, the thing is I said roses and cockroaches. I don't believe that because if you want a floor that's covered with cockroaches, you, yeah, there's a downside to it. You shouldn't be able to just buy it. That is not to say that I'm against the white blues. So I am contradicting myself somewhat. For me personally, if I'm going to put a manufactured floor in my house, I want it to look like speckles or maybe crisscrosses or bubbles. Really? But not wood. I think you're, I think you're missing out. Well, I may be. I mean, I'm missing out on a lot of things. But Jimmy Page's guitar is not communicating. He wanted it to be the sound of Aleister Crowley. He wanted it to be the sound. And and there's plenty of stuff in Led Zeppelin that all of his mandolin stuff and is like which is very much from Middle England, which is where he from whence he derives. But as soon as he's like it's like mm, 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 <laughs> that's not really you we would like to thank masterclass i love i love this thing masterclass is so cool i don't even know why i love it as much as i do but i keep watching these because they're so it is so cool to see people like gordon ramsay or dead mouse or Annie Leibovitz teaching you these incredible skills, the stuff that they are masters at because they are the masters. They're the best in the world at what they do. And each class is there to teach you something that these people who are the best at it do. So each class, they, they shoot it with cinematic production quality on demand lessons that are loaded with exclusive content. You can only find on master class. And there are so many classes. They've got over 35 masters. Teach like okay. For example, you're like what Malcolm Gladwell talks about writing. Ron Howard, maybe you heard of him, talks about directing. They got uh, Chris Hadfield, the astronaut, talking about space. There's so many more, and they're always adding new classes. There's nowhere else to get this kind of stuff, and they tell you how things really are, and it is so refreshing and enlightening. I'm not gonna like start start a career 
in like EDM music, right? Electronic dance music. I'm not going to do that. But I loved watching Dead Mouse's uh, masterclass on it just because it's so amazing what they know. This is the case with all of these. They're so entertaining. It doesn't matter if you're pursuing your passion, you're developing your career, you will find a masterclass for you. Uh, and they've even been featured in the New York Times, Vanity Fair, ESPN. Now, here's the deal. You can unlock access to every masterclass for a whole year right now at masterclass.com slash roadwork. Only that URL gets you this. Unlimited access to over 35 world-class masters, one super low annual price, masterclass.com slash roadwork. Go check it out. So what are your thoughts on... Um on wood paneling. Well, wood paneling is like good wood paneling is wood like veneer. I'm opposed to veneer, but veneer has a long, long history in wood working, wood furniture making so that to be against veneer is to be against history. I can't, <laughs> really? you know, like, really <laughs> because to be against veneer is to say, I only want, I only want furniture that is made of like solid wood. I want a dining room table that is a nine foot long piece of solid wood, or it's made out of a nine foot long pieces of solid wood that are joined together somehow. And that really limits your dining room table options. So I came to grips with veneer a long time ago, even though, even though it, it irks me, but like wood paneling, it is wood. There's wood happening there, sliced thin. It's when it's when manufacturing takes things that are either like particulate or things that do not have grain, mm-hmm. and through a manufacturing process adds grain to items. It's when it's when it goes to fool you. The thing is veneer tries to fool you that your tabletop is a piece of mahogany, like a nine by six piece of mahogany, which we know is a lie. But when it's trying to be a nine foot piece of of mahogany and what you're looking at is a photograph of mahogany, a photograph of a veneer of mahogany, that's where I, that's where it goes too far. Do you, are you in, are you of the mindset that, that wood paneling is ever okay in the modern day? Oh yeah, day? yeah, yeah. No? no, of course. Wood paneling that is made of, of wood. Wood paneling that is made of wood, I heartily approve of. In fact, I'm, I hope to have it in my life. I grew up in a house that was, the walls were all wood panels. Mm. Um, I mean, all of them. And it was beautiful. Unfortunately, when they built the house, they did not put insulation in the walls. And wood panel does a worse job even than drywall of of not transmitting sound from room to room. So if I had my childhood home to rebuild, I would have put insulation up before I put the wood panel up. But no, I think wood paneling is very handsome. I just don't want wood paneling made out of photographs of wood (laughs) superimposed over MDF or some other material that was made that began life. What? Okay. No, I totally, I totally know what you're talking about. I feel what you're feeling, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm, I find I'm asking myself, why is it that I don't like that? Mm hmm. Like what, what is it? Is it that it's, it's a sham? It's masquerading as something else. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is it that, that, that is off putting about it? I mean, do you think that Arby's roast beef is roast beef? I'm positive that it's not, but I've never, I've never, I mean, I've eaten at Arby's maybe once or twice in my life. Knowing it, what it was like one of those, oh, we're, we're sending a uh, bill out to go get some, some Arby's. What do you uh, want? Uh-huh. And I said, I've never eaten it in Arby's. I'll just get you one of their sandwiches then. And they uh-huh. came back with it. And that, that's how I ate that. It was never like a, I never like chose to eat that. 
the thing about Arby's and the thing about um, a lot of manufactured wood is that at some point in its life, it went through a hose. Mm. It was once a thing, some material, and then it became, in a lot of cases, a slurry of a thing. And it went through a hose, big hose, small hose, doesn't matter, in, on its path to then drying and becoming a, a now a new thing. I mean, that's how paper's made. Sure. Paper is paper went through a hose, basically. It was a slurry at one point and yeah. became a, a thing that we use all the time. But that's not how I want my roast beef. I'm fine with that in paper. I'm fine with that in park benches. If you make a park bench out of out of like old truck tires, I feel like that's high fives all around. Okay. But there's a weird there's a there's a weird problem I think right now, which is that we have these manufactured progress uh, we have these manufactured products, but we associate it's a little bit of a Blade Runner problem. We associate wood and stone with luxury because people with money are still using those actual things. They can afford actual wood and stone. Right. And so we associate it with luxury. And so like in Blade Runner, although you cannot find a living owl in all of Earth, right? you can have a robot owl. Well, the problem is that once you can build a robot owl, you can just as easily build a robot dragon right? or a robot like mini Cthulhu. And so it feels to me like a limitation on the imagination. If you gave me a choice between having a robot owl that sat on my shoulder or a robot like orange dragon that was the size of an owl, yeah, I would take the dragon every time right? because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have it be, why wouldn't you have a miniature, like, why wouldn't you get the, the Or why magician? go with, like, some boring old uh, regular animal that exists in the real world if you could have something extravagant, something glorious? Right, because you're, you're trying to fool people, like, is that a real owl? Right. No, of course I can't afford a real owl, but it's, but owning a real owl would be a sign of great affluence, and that's what I'm trying to project. Uh-huh. Like if you could get the magician from the cover of the Blue Oyster Cult album that it, that has all the balls and cards in his fingers, but yeah. make him three feet tall and sit on your shoulder, nobody's going to say, is that, a, is that the real magician from the <laughs> Blue Oyster Cult album? Right. They're going to be like, cool idea. Yeah. Cool idea, bro. And then the other guy's like, look, I have like a six foot tall praying mantis as my robot friend. Awesome. And so I feel the same way about manufactured floor. Like we can do like way cooler things. Make it look like hundred dollar bills. Like go for it. Make it look like oak. All you're saying is that you couldn't afford real oak, but you want people to think you can like, just, just like break your mind open. Like if you, if you are, if you're a pan man, if you're like, if, if you're like, one of those guys with, with the frosted tips who's wearing flame shorts, mm -hmm. by which I mean shorts with flames on them. Mm -hmm. Why not make your floor look like flames? Now that, and we have the capacity, but nobody does it because we're still in this weird interregnum between a time when there were real materials that were available and a future time when nobody gives a shit anymore. But nobody's taking advantage of it. And it's because... Like, for instance, if you go to buy a refrigerator right now, let's go on a trip. You and I are going to buy a refrigerator. We go to the refrigerator store. And you say, when I was a kid, the refrigerator in our house was avocado colored. Mm. But I had a friend that had a, a refrigerator that was the color of tangerines. And I would like one of those now, please, except with all mod cons. The people at the refrigerator store will tell you this. Refrigerators come in the following colors, stainless steel, slightly darker stainless steel, black. And if you say, well, what about avocado? They go, nope, there is none. And then there's one, there's one guy that says, there is a company 
that makes avocado colored refrigerators. Here's what they do. They take, they buy a GE refrigerator and we have it right here. The GE one that costs $900. They take it to their factory in California. They take the skin off of it and they put another skin on it that makes it look like a 1950s refrigerator and they color it avocado and then they'll sell it to you for $2,500. And if you say that sounds like a ripoff, I just want like a normal cheap ish refrigerator, but I want it to have any one of the billion colors it could be, including Technicolor Dreamcoat, including that it be covered with $100 bills. Like I want to just like anybody, are there any living people out there that have like even the, and they're like, nope, stainless steel, slightly darker stainless steel or black. And that's it in the entire world of refrigerators. Go to Lowe's tomorrow. Go to Lowe's this afternoon, and I challenge you to find a refrigerator that isn't one of those. Or the cheap ones, the real cheap ones, are white. And that's how you know you're in a place that didn't spend any money. Uh-huh. Is that they're but you would like you like white. that better because then it's being more honest. If it's white, sure. But yeah. but but the dishonesty inherent in the whole concept that no one wants another option. We've already lived in that. We've already lived in a world where the floors were speckled and the refrigerators were tangerine. And it was a beautiful time and a beautiful place. But we, but then we, we started to associate those things with cheapness because they were old. If you walked into a place and the refrigerator was tangerine and the floors were speckled, your first thought was, there's probably asbestos in those floors. But mm. your second thought was, these are old. These haven't been updated. Well, you're wrong. They worked fine. Most of them. You, your refrigerator from 1962 would still be running and maybe the refrigerant is bad for the environment, but you know, Jesus Christ, the coal plants in China are what's bad for the environment. Not your Freon. Well, no, your Freon is bad. You know, ever since they eliminated CFCs, you know, the ozone layer has returned. Yes, I do. It built itself back. Yeah. That seems like a success we don't talk enough about. Uh, we could talk about it anytime you want. I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that people didn't really understand then, and now it's all right. But like eliminating chlorofluorocarbons at the time seemed like like a Sisyphean attempt to, to right a wrong. Like yes. we blew it. We burned a hole in the ozone layer, and now we're all going to just be sunburned all the time. And some scientists said, well, it's this that's doing it, and we can ban these things. We can take them out of aerosol cans yeah and i'm sure the the you know big aerosol was like no it'll cost too much or hairspray won't work or (laughs) you know spray cheese is very important to our culture right they fought it but then we they figured out a way how to still do it yeah and people didn't understand it but but rallied behind it it seemed like yeah we should you know acid rain it seems like a bad problem we should put filters on smokestacks and we should eliminate CFC and DDT while we're at it. And it worked. It did. All three of those things worked. So, but somewhere along the line, uh, because we got, because religion took over politics. Now all of a sudden we're not allowed to say like, Oh, these changes that we're proposing actually would, would work. And it would stop. My mom was saying this morning, she was like, summer in Seattle didn't used to start until July 15th. It rained until July 15th. It was warm, but it was raining until July 15th. And then summer started and it lasted until the end of September. But she said, now summer starts at the beginning of May. It doesn't rain anymore. And that's just happened in the last decade. And I'm like, yeah, well. That's an advantage from a real estate standpoint. We can sell our houses for a lot more because people equate lack of rain with luxury. Climate change is the veneer Mm. of climate in Seattle, at least, because we don't have big disasters, except now the forests are catching on fire, which is bad. You know, I have a friend that moved back to Seattle after a decade in LA, and I said, why are you, you know, like, you built a whole life for yourself down there. Why are you moving back to Seattle? And he said, climate change refugee. Oh. I was like, oh, no. The first thing that happens is the people from Seattle who moved to other places return because they feel like they have some right to. Right. Right. Like, I'm going back to Seattle. I didn't like Seattle. It was 
dark and depressing, but it's sure better than having my house burned down every year. Those are the first ones that come back. And then all their friends from LA that never lived in Seattle are like, Hey, all my friends from Seattle are moving back there. And then they move. (sighs) I'm going to have to move back to Alaska. I don't want to live in Alaska. 